This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. And Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. It is a simple blood test that tells you so many important things. We spend so much time training and working hard that we might as well make sure that our bodies are fully optimized. I am excited because I'm getting my inside tracker test done here in the coming week. I'm going to gear up to train for a fall marathon. That's right. I'm committing. I'm doing it. And I just want to make sure everything is looking good and I can do the things I need to do to make sure that I'm putting the nutrients into my body that I need to run to the best of my abilities. And you can do that too with inside tracker. For a limited time, all have another listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. Just go to insidetracker.com/another. Use the code another for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com/another and use the code another for 20% off the entire store. All right friends, today's episode, this is the third episode in the post Boston Marathon bonus series that I'm doing. Today I'm talking with Steph Bruce. Steph is a returning guest on the show. She's been on the podcast multiple times. So you can find conversations with Steph in the archives. Episode 159, episode 207, episode 229, and episode 302. So this is Steph's fifth time on the podcast. And she just had a great race in Boston. She placed 12th, was the second American to cross the finish line, and ran a 228.02. Steph runs with NAZ Elite under coach Ben Rosario. She's been with him for a very long time. And fun fact, this Friday we have an episode with Ben, coach Ben coming out. So this is Steph's last professional year of racing. She was diagnosed with a heart condition somewhat recently and has made the decision that this will be her last year pro. And we talk about that in this episode. It was great, as always, to catch up with Steph. She is a favorite of mine, and it's been a really great joy to follow her career all these years. Thank you, Steph, for all that you've done for the running community and we can't wait to see what's next for you also can't wait to see what you do this fall uh friends if you are loving this bonus series and this podcast please leave us a rating and review that is a huge way uh, to help us grow the show so you can just do that on itunes or spotify on spotify you can just leave a rating on itunes you can leave a review we do give away a monthly pair of gooder sunglasses for new reviews over there And we are going to announce the winner for this past month's rating and review giveaway on this Friday's episode, Friday, May 13th. So you still have like a couple days because it takes a couple days for them to process. You still have a couple days to get your April rating and review in to be entered in to win the giveaway. We will announce that 
this Friday. Uh, All right, friends. I appreciate you. I appreciate this community. Come hang out in our Facebook group. It's called All Have Another with Lindsay Hine and join the community over there. We'd love to have you. Enjoy my conversation with Steph Bruce. Um, Okay, so are you all home from Big Sur? I'm home. Yes, I'm really. It all just hit me now. I was like, I'm actually tired. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Well, friends, today we're talking with Steph Bruce on the podcast, returning guest, maybe fourth or fifth time, I'm not sure, but I'm so excited to have you back. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, I got to talk to Coach Ben a little bit before the marathon. The podcast with him isn't out yet, but I got like a tiny little snippet of how your training had been going with him. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah, it's always good to hear like him talking to other people about us because Coach Ben is notorious for like not telling you what shape you're in or not like (laughs) pumping you up. And then you talk to your teammate and your teammates like, oh, Ben thinks you're in really good shape. And you're like, oh, he does? He never tells me. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel great? Congratulations on a really strong run in Boston. Thank you. I do feel good. Yeah. I'm kind of like, it's all, as I said, like just looking at the last I don't know, 10 days, we've done a lot. (laughs) And um, sometimes it takes like a little longer to process. But as I've kind of like gone through it, I was like, okay, like it was a really good day. And I, of course, like want to do it again, which typically happens. Um, I saw someone like put up on Twitter, I don't know who, but it was like, the thing about the marathon is like you finish and you have a bad one. You're like, I want to do it again to like make up for it. And then you have a good one. You're like, I want to do it again. So um, yeah, it's kind of messed up. But um, yeah, it was, it was a really special day for sure. Yeah, 228. That's a strong run in Boston. 12th place, second American. Did you have a lot of emotions knowing this was like your last professional Boston? Um, You know, at the time, no. I think like people are asking me that, like even in post-race interview, like right after. I didn't really like, I don't know, have a visceral reaction. But then um, when I crossed the finish line, I was like walking out of kind of the little like, um, I don't know, runner tunnel, as you call it. And Coach Ben was on the right. My agent, Larry and Josh were up ahead. And I like made a point to turn around and look back at the finish line um, just to like take it all in. Because I was like, ah, like I won't see it from this perspective, you know, um, in that sense. So I'm definitely intentionally trying to do that this year, like. Whereas before I would be like, where do I have to go? Interviews or drug testing or what have you. But um, yeah, I definitely turned around, kind of had a moment and just like smiled to be like, wow, you were lucky to be here. Mm, I love that perspective. That's so good. Thanks. You know, this being, you know, you made big announcement that this is your last year running professionally. You have got a heart condition that is something you've been having since birth, but we didn't know until recently. Um, You want to have more kids maybe. Like these are two really big pieces of information to share publicly as well as your mom passing away. Like this is a lot. How are you going full speed with this training and mom stuff and entrepreneur stuff with like all of this weight on your shoulders? I mean, thanks for yeah acknowledging that. I like I'm aware of that stuff, but then sometimes when things are just like going so well in general in life, you know, like I 
genuinely wake up every day and I feel really blessed. Like I have a wonderful life and nothing is really that hard about it, you know, in this, in the grand scheme of life. Um, but then, yeah, I will definitely have moments where I'm like, Oh gosh. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll be like, for whatever reason, the few weeks before Boston was like a really emotional time. Like I was feeling my mom's death a little more and kind of going through what people say, the waves of grief. Um, and there was a period where I was like crying every day and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this must be taking so much energy from my training, but I couldn't help it. Like that's, what's so different about any other like loss I've ever felt. Like I cannot help crying when something came up about my mom. Um, and then, yeah, we just had some other things like Ben's, um, college coach passed away a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And then we just had, um, one of Ben's friends, um, from growing up, their son actually passed away. Um, yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, he's seven years old and we're going to that funeral this weekend. So we were like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it, it just is like, we found like, as we get older, you just kind of feel life, I guess, a little more and you, your eyes are open to it. And so um, I think just navigating, knowing that like some days you're going to go through your day and you don't think about anything deep and you just do your job, you parent, you do work, train, whatever you have. And then some days just for whatever reason, you get like waves of heaviness or waves of, wow, like this is a lot we're carrying. Um, and for me, I think just knowing like a new day will always come, like the sun will set and the sun will always rise the next day, regardless of, of how you're feeling. And I usually wake up feeling like very excited for every day. So that's kind of what I tell myself if I had a full day of crying and then the next day, even though my eyes might be like kind of swelled up, I'm like, you know what though? It's a new day. So like new things to happen and um, new opportunities. So I'm acknowledging that there are a lot of heavy things kind of on my shoulder right now, but I guess trying to see like the best in all of it. I want to get a picture frame that says the sun will come up. I saw it at Target the other day and I was like, surely this is on Etsy too. I got to find it somewhere <laughs> else. But like, it's just like such a good reminder every day. I mean, even when I have just like a hard day of simple things with my kids, it's like sometimes the simplest things feel heavy, you know? Isn't that weird how like a day where where like normally it would seem like nothing, it's like the biggest thing in the world. And then the next day you're like, oh, but my mom died and like they're like my friend's son, like these are like big things, yes. but our emotions are just roller coasters no matter what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, yesterday was like a classic example. We had little league game, Ben's the coach of the boys team and they're on team gray. And we had like a really busy day. Just like I had a couple interviews and meeting. We were doing all these life things. Ben was going to meet us there. I picked the boys up, came home, and then we were looking for uh, their jerseys. And of course, we had one jersey, couldn't find the other. We were looking all over the house. And I was like, why did you have your jersey? I'm yelling at him. He's like, can't find it. And then we're going through the whole house, like undoing all the clean laundry, can't find it. And like, I find myself getting frustrated. And then like, all of a sudden, Hudson's like, Oh, guess what? Found it. You know, and he was just like so proud of himself. And then I think what has helped me like with death and um, the things that have like happened in my life, my heart stuff, all that, it makes these moments like as soon as it's done, I'm like, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like I can just move on so quickly versus like 
thinking that it's stressful to go to a little league game. You know, it might have been four minutes of stress looking for the T-shirt. But then you go, hey, guess what? If we're not five minutes early, the world is not going to end. And so it's easy to kind of just switch over and be like, we're doing fine, everyone. We're doing fine. Yeah, I've made a commitment that as, as long as it's not like a doctor's appointment or something super important, like I'm letting things go about being late with my kids because I've just otherwise I will fly off the handle. So guess what? We're usually 10 minutes late to a party every time yep. or 30. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the heart condition, like were you scared when you were um, going through that? I was um I was confused. That's the best like description I can say because throughout my whole life, right? Like terminal illness was a theme that I lived in my family. My dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was 12. Um, and then my mom was diagnosed with an, her own cancer four years later when I was 16. Um, and then my dad got treatment. Then my mom went out to New York and I lived by myself with my grandma. So she, so they were getting like treatment simultaneously. She came back. Mom was great. We were like, okay, all good. Then my dad died when I was 18, you know, and then 20 years later, mom dies of a different cancer. So, um, I, I am all too familiar with terminal illness and therefore everything else that kind of has happened is like, well, whatever, like you have right. some sort of, yeah, you have some sort of ailment that happens, not a big deal, right? Um, like sadly, even COVID, when COVID was happening, I was like, I know it, it is taking a lot of people's lives, but I'm like, I've seen the suffering of cancer my whole life, you know? So it, it kind of gave me a different perspective, right? So when this heart thing, or I guess my initial um, echocardiogram happened, I was like, is this a thing? Like, is this, a, a, do you call this a terminal illness? Mm -hmm. No, because they're not giving me like, you will die from this. But it definitely was like, it kind of changes my life in some ways where I'll now have to monitor this condition. Like for the rest of my life, I will go and get echoes every year. And then I have to get the boy screen cause it's highly genetic. Um, and confusing because I also wanted to ask my mom and dad and I, you know, I walked out of that appointment and I was like, you don't have any parents to ask. Like I had, I had, I had no one to call. So I know I could call my husband, but it was like, I don't, I just wanted to call my mom or dad and ask them and tell them. Um, so it was like a really adult moment for me, kind of just, hey, it's it's just you now. Um, and since then, I think the scary part has been, okay, I'm trying to make these life choices for my future. Are they the right ones? Based on the knowledge I'm giving, should I be running? Should I not be running? Is trying to have more kids risky? Is it not? And that's the stuff that I'm, I'm honestly trying to figure out still. Um, but the doctors, like, they told you, like, you're good. Like, go to yeah. run right now. Like, finish off this year. Yes. I mean, I could probably, I could keep going. Um, when I went out to uh, MedStar, that's the team of doctors I work with out in Baltimore, um, Dr. Ann Kit Shaw, he's my sports cardiologist. He put me through, like, a gamut of tests, one being, like, a treadmill stress VO2 max test. So you are basically running till um, you're all out, you know, you give them the red light and then they shut it off. And he was like, you're passing this with flying colors, like nothing is happening to your heart when you're at the highest level of stress. And he, he essentially said to me, if you decide to retire, you need not do it because of your heart. Mm. Um, 
And so that was like really reassuring, but then also confusing. <laughs> Cause I was like, wait, I thought I had to. So um, that's been a, a kind of strange narrative I've been playing out in my head for the past couple of months trying to figure out. Yeah. It's weird when you think something's going to happen or you think you have to do something and then you're told maybe you don't. And so, and then you, if you don't, you want to go all in obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how old are the boys now? They're six and seven. So Hudson is six, Riley's seven, and they'll, they're around the corner of seven and eight. Gosh, when I first interviewed you, they were probably like two and three or something crazy like that. I mean, it's wild how long it's been. But um, I have found that those ages with my boys are super fun. Is it like, are you having a blast? Like when they come with you to races now, totally different than when you had toddlers. Yes. Now you're not like just trying to keep them afloat. You're actually like teaching them how to be good humans and teaching them to observe the world and like... Yeah, you're observing how they show up in the world, too. Um, so, yeah, I would say, like, the first time I ran New York City Marathon, that night I couldn't sleep really really well. They were, yeah, two and three or maybe one and a half and two and a half. It's crazy. And um, it was, like, three in the morning, and I was like, okay, now I'm finally, like, hungry. So I had a picky bar under my pillow because I put it there the night before, and I go to, like, take it out and I'm undoing the wrapper and all of a sudden I hear mom is that a picky bar (laughs) what Riley heard me opening the picky bar like 3 30 in the morning he goes can I have some and I'm like oh my gosh kid like I just ran a marathon I know I'm supposed to share everything with my children but (laughs) give me a break um and needless to say he never went back to sleep so we had to leave the room so I'm carrying him the the day after it's like four in the morning we get up we walk out of the Hilton and we go to a Starbucks and then I take him to like um not Times Square I think I took him to where like Rockefeller Center um fast forward to Boston um, and here the boys are like knowing what place I got. And then Riley's doing handstands at the after party, like on the dance floor. So it's been really cool to like see them. Yeah. Like transition from, okay, they're just coming to races because that's what we have to do. And now like they get excited and they understand what's going on. It's so cute. I mean, what a cool, what a like cool vision to think of too. Like you racing the the marathon at like the highest level and then having to just like sneak out of the hotel room with your one kid because the other, you don't want to wake the other kid up. Oh, I know that story all too well. Yeah. Um, so saying, you know, one of the reasons that you want to uh, move on professionally is that you might want to have more kids. And it's like, that is that, does that feel vulnerable to share with people? You know, I thought that, like, I guess I've been so open, right, this whole time that I'm like, okay, I was, I talked about, like, when I got pregnant, coming back from pregnancy, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel vulnerable, but um, I'm a little more aware of, like, the different struggles that other women have, right? Like, it was very easy for me to get pregnant, and then again, as you get older, you start to have friends who have miscarriages or women who struggle to get pregnant of infertility. And so then you're like, gosh, so then sometimes talking about it feels like, um, almost like selfish in a way, right? Because not that I take for granted how easy, let's just say, I don't feel vulnerable saying that that's my plan, because if for some reason, I couldn't get pregnant at this point, or they thought they thought my heart, like couldn't take that. 
I wouldn't be like, oh, guys, I told you I was going to do this. And guess what? That didn't work out. You know, that's that's the same as me sharing like, hey, here's my goal for the race. Oh, I was really off. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be like, well, you were full of it. So, um, <laughs> no, I don't think the vulnerability, but I, I am more aware and I guess have a little more empathy and just thinking about other women's struggles and, um, yeah, how it can be sensitive. But it's also like really special to see that women who have had struggles are now finding like comfort in sharing that, right? Because you realize other women have gone through that and you're not alone. And and hopefully that helps lift the emotional burden that maybe some women are going through. Totally. Um, yeah, definitely the older you get, the more just because you see more life experiences. Like you just, there's just more that you've seen in the world. I totally feel what you're saying there. Um, with this being your last year, is it like, is it hard to go all in or like, you know what I mean? Like, is it weird every time you race thinking, okay, this is it. And like, do you ever think maybe I'll keep going? Yeah, that's funny you asked that because like, I swear, like all my last interviews have been that. And I'm like, no, I'm good because like, I've always been all in kind of like when I go to a race, I'm like, Hey, I'm leaving everything out there. And sometimes I'll, finished being like, "Ah, I wish I did better, you know, but I'll have another chance. And so now the difference is like, okay, like you don't have another chance. So let's make sure you do leave it all out there. But um, yeah, I will be honest. I am definitely having more feelings of, um, am I making the right decision? Like as races are going on and I just am having such a great time and I love what I'm doing that I'm like, am I going to be filled with another purpose or am I going to feel empty when I'm done? So I think I'm kind of going through it more than I thought I would at this point. <laughs> and I'm not even like halfway through the year. Yeah. I I noticed that I get like anxiety with big change, you know, like we just moved or obviously if you have a baby, things like that. And it's like knowing ahead of time, like those emotions that are probably going to pop up has been super helpful. Do you think about that big change and that like closing of a chapter and how you're going to process that? To be honest, I have not like looked ahead. And that's simply because I'm a big like live where your feet are, Mm -hmm. mainly because of things that have happened in my life. Mm And I remember planning things like for my mom or like her birthday was coming up or little things like we, we bought concert tickets or um, tickets to a comedian show. That was my mom's favorite comedian. And that was uh, last August and we bought it for her birthday, but she died, you know, before that. And so then I was like, okay, it kind of was like, well, you, you just never know what's going to happen. So I'm trying to do my best to like live in the present, live in the moment. Um, Obviously I do like planning, but The cool part about, I think, how I've scripted my career and my life thus far, I don't feel like come December or January 1st, I'm going to be like, oh, now what do I do? You know, I feel like it'll be like, I'm going to kind of do whatever I want and I'm probably going to chill for a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and that chill might look different, right? To me, it's like leaning into momming more. I might be the mom that's like, I'm doing everything for my kids. I'm doing all the pickups, all the drop-offs. Yeah. And then, like I said, if we try to start to have more children, you know, that might um, speed up the process and maybe I'll be distracted by those things going on. But I think I'm just going to try to play it by ear and not even, not even anticipate like how I'm going to feel. Yeah, that that's really smart. And it feels really good to it probably feels really good to think of those like 
oh my gosh, I get to just like wake up in the morning and take my kids to school and then like go get coffee or you know, whatever, literally <laughs> anything. I'm going to be calling all these people like, do you want to hang out? Yeah. Like, I have to train. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, I have this vision where I'm just going to make fun of like everything I used to do to the people who are still doing it. Like, just skip your run. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? I'm going to do all the things that like I can't do now. And then be like, what are you talking about? You have a race. Yeah. So <laughs> you just jump in on easy days and just hang out and get your totally. little, get a little exercise in. Um, I yeah. saw you post somewhere about like your desire to keep pursuing entrepreneurship even more than you already have like you already had a super successful career with picky bars and things like that but I so resonated with it not that I'm a professional athlete but just like all the ideas that pop into your head when you're like out for a run or doing whatever and then coming home and just like word vomiting it all to your husband but now you'll have a little bit more time and energy to like focus on that stuff so what are you most excited about? Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I'm excited about like narrowing my focus. Mm-hmm. Right. I think right now, because like running is my full-time job and then momming and then all the entrepreneurship, I kind of like, I don't like to say there's like just pieces of me doing each, but kind of. So I would like to go all in to one of those things. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be, but whether that's like the women's grit and growth retreats, like obviously that's been huge because even though it's a small scale, like we have definitely had experiences where like those three days, like change a woman's life. We've had women leave, get a divorce because they were in a marriage that they were unhappy about women who quit their jobs. And then they, they um, email us and they're like, so I, I did it. I quit my job and then divorced my husband. And I'm like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have these retreats. <laughs> you know, we're feeling like really responsible. And we're like, whoa, hold on. Do so, we need um, to pay for the therapy bills? Correct, correct, exactly. We definitely are guiding them and not tell, not giving anyone <laughs> advice on do this. Um, so yeah, I think like obviously the part of like working with women, empowering women employing women, trying to give women more opportunities, like that really fires me up. And I just want women to like take up more space and be bosses and head corporations and be the head of companies and head coach, whatever it is they want to do. Um, I want to kind of help be part of that. And so, yeah, I don't exactly know which one of those will take over, but my hope is to kind of I want to write a book um, and I've had lots of opportunities, but I know that I need to like narrow my focus and just kind of lean into one of those at a time. Hey friends, a quick break from this conversation with Steph to thank Lily Trotters for supporting this episode of the podcast. I love Lily Trotters. They have the best compression socks on the market. They encourage recovery in your legs, reduce muscle fatigue, And they have really cute, fun styles that you can just slip into any of your shoes. They fit so well. And I always just feel like I'm getting a big hug from my socks when I'm wearing Lily Trotters. One of my new favorites of theirs is the Silky Solid Periwinkle. They are so comfortable. The material is so soft. Uh, But you will most often find me running in the crew socks, which I love. It hugs the bottom part of my legs and they're also super cute and comfortable. Uh, you all can save when you go to lilytrotters.com and use the code IHA for 20% off your order. That's lilytrotters.com. Use the code IHA for 20% off your order. 
And uh, thank you for supporting sponsors of this podcast who make this show possible. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Steph Bruce. Um, for the book, like what, what do you think would be your focus? So I, I've been asked like by a few different people, I've had some topics like thrown my way and they were like, would you write about this? Would you do that? Um, and then coach Ben kind of, um, has an idea about us like co-authoring a book. So obviously like there's the running component, right. Of just like you know, sharing my training, sharing, like not just my training, but how I do my training in the midst of my life. And then I think just my life, um, I, I really think like some people are like, you're such a great writer. And I, I truly don't believe I'm a great writer. I think I have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think the story is, yeah, from my birth, from my mom, the night before I was born, flying from Greensboro, North Carolina to New York to make sure the OBGYN who delivered my brother, she delivered her. She was nine months pregnant and I was born the next day. Oh my gosh. So she got on a flight. Exactly. You're like, do they even let does? you do that anymore? No, she totally lied. I think she was like, Oh, I'm seven months pregnant. Um, yeah. But I'm like, how crazy is that? Like I could have been born on a plane. Um, so yeah, from, from the beginning of that to the journey of, yeah, how I got to where I'm at right now, I think, I think that's worth something. Um, and so I definitely want to put that down to paper, but again, don't know exactly the direction I would go. One of my favorite things you talk about is like, you know, when you, you had an Instagram post about this, but when you wanted to start professional running and like, you want to be top in the country, you want to be top in the world and where you've landed is like where you've won. And I know I've talked to you about this before, like the process of like accepting like, okay, maybe I might not run in the Olympics, but like my career is still a success. My journey is still a success. And because of the people surrounding me, like I have won what I've sought. Like I have won what I've sought after in this career. And I think that that's so important for other people to hear. Like I think I picture like a 25-year-old athlete like, you know, with their hopes and dreams. Like, I want to be on an Olympic team. I want to make a world team, all these things. And like, I think they need to hear that. Do you feel like that is a responsibility of yours to share that with the running community? I mean, I don't, I don't know if responsibility, but I feel like um, the reality is three people's dreams in each event come true every four years. And that's a really small percentage. And, you know, as I sit here, like talking to my boys and they're like, do you know what I'm going to be when I grow up? And he's like professional hockey player, you know, and we're like, that is wonderful. Like Riley Hudson, you can be whatever you want to be, you know, and we're trying to tell them. But the reality is the smallest Mm. percentage of kids who are in little league right now, who play in high school, who go to college, actually become professional athletes. And so if you believe that, then it doesn't come true you, you would definitely be inclined to think like you were a failure and what you set out to do didn't work out. And especially like along the way, worrying that other people who you told your dreams to would think you're a failure. And I think that's kind of what my like, I guess, legacy would be not necessarily like how you view yourself, but how, how the perception that, others have of you can affect like your well-being right and your confidence um and i think as 
as social media takes off more and things are just in people's faces. I just want the younger generation to not let like success be measured by, did they think I'm successful mm. or do I fit in, in this running sphere? Do I fit in here? Um, because that can be like a really dangerous place to live and to exist. And um, yeah, I think winning, yes. When two teams play each other, one wins and one loses. And you got to teach people that losing is okay, but it's also okay to acknowledge like winning in a different aspect. Wow. You know, I, I heard somewhere once like, be embarrassed about like, if you're not embarrassed about the dreams you're sharing, like, are they really big enough? You know, when you say something like super audacious and you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to think like, who do you, you think you are? I think it's important to do that. But then on the flip side, what you just said, like, if it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean you're a failure. And it sometimes can be really hard to like, accept that. And it can feel embarrassing if you don't like meet that big goal that you like told the world about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's, that's 99% of people's experience. 99% of people don't win because 1% win, right? Yeah. When you, when you do the terms of win in sports, in jobs, someone gets the job, someone doesn't get the job, someone gets the raise, someone doesn't. Um, and so I don't want to get rid of the competitiveness, right? Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's still healthy and it's still like you want to strive to do that. But I think it's also healthy to, yeah, just like cultivate other definitions of success in your own, um, like in your own life, in your own pursuits and pass that along to your friends, pass it along to your coworkers. So then people can like still feel meaningful in, in what they're trying to do, right? Because when... I finished Boston and it's so easy to be like, oh man, I missed top 10. I like, I'm always top 10 at world marathon mm -hmm. majors. Like big goal was top five. And it's easy to be like, yeah, but guess what? Like those women who beat me are so good. It's the Olympic champion. It's <laughs> she won New York. She won Perez won the Olympics. Like, and the kid got, I can't <laughs> even name all her accolades. Uh, you know, like all the women that were ahead of me, I'm like, they're literally like the world's best. And the reality is I am just not the world's best, but that's okay. Like I had a really good day, but if I picked apart things that like I could have done better or whatever, then you walk away feeling so unsatisfied and you never like experience joy. You're mm -hmm. always chasing this impossible thing. And honestly, nothing will ever be good enough. Um, and I, I think that can be an unhealthy way to live. And I'm just hoping that part of my legacy in the sport is like imparting that on people that come after me. How do you find joy in every day? I, I wish I had like an answer. I, I am strangely just, um, I think it's intrinsically in me, right? I definitely believe like people are born with chemical imbalances, balances, right? But the other part of that is, I just did a podcast talking about this. Like I genuinely look for it every day. Mm -hmm. So I wake up thinking, how can today be a good day? How can I be a good mom? Um, like, how can I make Ben's life enjoyable as a wife? Um, how can I be a better friend? And some days you only have 2% of you to do that. You're like, I can't really help anyone today. I just have to survive and live today. <laughs> um, but the days that you wake up and you're like, okay, like I'm full of energy little things, text a friend that you haven't talked to. One of my friends, Sarah Tanza, she's like amazing at 
just every couple weeks, maybe more often, she'll just send me a text. And I know she's like driving to work, dropping off her kids. It's a voice message because yeah. it's jumbled. And it'll be like, just know you're doing an amazing job in your life. And I'm so proud of you. And she'll just like write one or two things. And I'm like, oh, be more like Sarah. You know, <laughs> that's what I do. Um, yeah. And, and I think just showing up for people and showing up for yourself, like you just have to, you have, if you want happiness and joy and all that, you have to look for it and you have to work for it. It does not, marriages don't just happen every day. Happy marriages take a lot of work. And so feeling happy and feeling joyful, take consistent work every single day. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the hardest things about marriage for me is like, we're not both joyful at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're in your joyful yeah. mood and they're in a bad mood and vice versa, it's like, can we just sync this up? That would make things a little yeah. bit easier for us. Sure. Sure. Um, so it's like at the end of a book when you have all the acknowledgements, you know, like all the people to thank. So there's, I know there's too many, but like who have been some of the invaluable players in this game for you? Yeah. So, well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, obviously, um, as far as in my professional running career, you know, coach Ben Rosario, coach Jen, for starting our group back in 2014, taking a chance, you know, they moved out here um, out of their own pocket, starting this group and then like reached out to sponsors. And finally Hoka came on and, and signed us. Um, yeah. And those two just eat, sleep and breathe like our whole team. It's like, we are an extension of their family uh, and they have transformed from like, coach and kind of like manager of our team to really great friends of ours, which is wonderful. And then my agent, Josh Cox, his wife, Carrie and Larry Rosenblatt, that's the team of boom management. They're the ones that make every race opportunity possible. They're the ones that help me stay sponsored through, preg through one pregnancy and through two pregnancies. Um, and then obviously Hoka um, for, yeah, kind of all they have done, Mike McManus, Teresa, and then even before Hoka, like I always have to acknowledge Wazelle, mm. um, because I like to think that they gave me a start in my post-running kind of comeback, um, Sally and then Sarah and Bob Lesko, they were pivotal parts of me not giving up in the sport and like really, um, yeah, just allowing me to take my time to come back um, and kind of supporting me. And then, of course, I just have, like, so many different friends in the running world and friends from um, growing up that have been huge and have shaped and supported me and allowed me to miss birthday parties and weddings um, because I was trying to do this. And then, you know, I would say my family and my brothers, Jamie, John and Terry, I'd obviously say my mom, you know, but she's looking down, but mm. Jamie, John and Terry have, um, yeah, they've kind of like shaped <laughs> who, who I am. And, um, it's been cool to have them acknowledge me as their younger sister, but be like really proud of like, kind of like where I've come. Cause I remember when my mom died, I was like, guys, I don't know how I'm going to do it without a parent. And, they, they all were like, you've been doing it this whole time, you know? So it was really cool to be like, okay, like ever since I was whatever, 18 or 20, they just said that I've, I've been kind of raising myself in a way. So it was really great to like hear that from them. And then, 
my husband, Ben, he's the one that has allowed me to, yeah, I think be the person that I am today um, with what's, what's my favorite quote. Um, it's Glennon Doyle where mm. she says, um, every woman should do the next right thing without permission um, and without explanation. And I think that sums up kind of my relationship with Ben. Like, I'm just going to do this and not ask. And he's going to be supporting me and, yeah, allowing me to, like, pursue my dreams and do all the things and not be in front of me, but be side by side, kind of like when we were um, on the altar getting married. So I'm sure there's lots more people that I have um, forgotten. <laughs> Feels like like my obituary. I know. But, <laughs> I thought that you know? as I asked it. <laughs> right? I know. But um, yeah, there's, I don't know, there's so many people. And it when you start to think about that, then you're like, man, like, am I doing enough to give back to these people? Oh, and probably the the anonymous donor that funded my college career that I don't know who that is, but I'd be Wait, remiss. Wait, what? I don't know about that. You know that story? No, that happened. Yeah, um, basically, after my dad died, um, my senior year of high school, I went to UCSB, and after a few months, I was like, okay, like I made it. You know, like I got through all that, moved out to new state, started over, got this new family and my cross country team. And after he had died, our his business kind of went bankrupt, and I guess what we thought was like money that would have kind of come to us. Um, there wasn't any. So, um, since the company went bankrupt, my mom said, I have to pull you out of college because um, we can't afford tuition anymore. Um, and of course I was devastated because I was like, wait, I thought this is where I was supposed to be. Like I kind of, yeah, I just survived him dying, like this new transition. And she's like, yeah, I have to, you have to come back to Arizona. And, um, the school newspaper wrote an article that just said like Ross Teen, as I made a name, forced to drop out of UCSB. Um, and my coach called me in and he said, Stephanie, this is unbelievable, but an anonymous donor like read your article and they want to fund the rest of your college career. And I just said, well, I don't understand like how or why me. Um, and he didn't know. And at the time I was like, is that like, is this my dad? Is this like what guardian angel? Like, is, yeah, is this, I, I don't know. I just, I was speechless for the first time. Um, <laughs> and since that moment when I was 18 or 19, I just was like, my life has to like matter and I have to do things that are giving back in a way. And I feel like I will always need to pay it forward and make a difference in other people's lives. Cause this person kind of gave me, I guess, a second chance of life. Whoa. And you yeah. still have no idea who it was. No. I oh know. my gosh. How yeah. did I not know that story? That's I incredible. Don't I don't, I tell it like on a few different podcasts, but, um, wow. I don't know. Cause it just feels like, yeah, it's like this amazing gift, but this like burden of like, why me? And yeah. I, how did I deserve that? And I, I need to just, I don't know. It doesn't always work out for people and it worked out for me. And so, you know, I've always felt just sort of like, wow, I need to do something with my life. But that's such a cool trickle from that. Like you will, like you'll, you have, and you will continue to, to give back in that way. How cool would it be to be that rich to just be like, I'll pay for her college. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, and that's the thing about like 
you know, people who like make lots of money, they don't, people don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, and so you just, you just wonder like what it took for that person and what about my article? Like, yeah, reach them or touch them. So you just never know. Um, all right, Steph, do you know, like, I'm assuming you're running a fall marathon. Have you announced what you're running? I have not. So yet. I know no. it's so far out. <laughs> I'm starting to like, I can tell you a couple, I'm running the U S championships on the track, the 10,000 that's okay. May 27th. Um, and then we're kind of carving out my summer racing plans and fall racing plans. And so hoping to get those up on my website, stephbruce.com as soon as I can release them. Mm. It is always so fun to talk to you and it's always such an honor. Thank you. Uh, best of luck. I rest up and tell Ben we said congratulations as well. I got to get him back on the pod at some point. I will definitely. He's he's always around and good for a chat. <laughs> awesome. All right, Steph. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Steph, for coming on the podcast and sharing updates on your life. We are all rooting for you. If you aren't already following Steph on social media, which I'm assuming you probably are, you can find her at Steph Rothstein on Instagram. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. I'd love to connect with you there. I'm also on Twitter at lindsayhine and join our Facebook group. We'd love to have you. It's called I'll Have Another on Facebook. It's a great community of people over there. Thank you, Inside Tracker. Thank you, Lily Trotters, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Use the code ANOTHER at insidetracker.com slash ANOTHER to get 20% off their entire store for a limited time. And go to lilytrotters.com and use the code IHA for 20% off the best compression socks out there. Have a great day, and we will see you this Friday with an episode with Coach Ben Rosario. Thanks for being here, friends.